John tells us we're all susceptible to these kind of attacks. What we boast in, what we're proud about, our image, boasting about what we have, who we are, or what we've done. Guard your heart. Start to live for the things that really matter in life. Living for things that matter. Do you know what those things are? I suppose we could all use a refresher. I'm John Geiger welcoming you to Moody Presents with Pastor Mark Job, president of Moody Bible Institute and the senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. Our series is called Contrast, the light of Jesus Christ in a dark world. We've been in this study for several weeks, and I encourage you to visit moodypresents.org, where you can go back and take advantage of the wonderful teaching waiting there to encourage and equip you along this journey. We particularly suggest that you check out the last couple of weeks' programs to allow yourself a, a kind of a test to see how you're doing with your contrast life. If you feel that perhaps you've been sucked into the world system, or maybe you feel like you're losing your heart, your love for God, well, today's broadcast is just for you. I think you're going to come away encouraged. This is part two of a message titled, Guard Your Heart. Let's get right back to 1 John chapter 2, looking at verses 12 through 15 in our study today. Here's Pastor Mark. The more you love one, the less you'll love the other. The more you love the other, the less you'll love the one. Jesus makes that very clear. The Bible speaks about that oftentimes. In fact, for example, in James, referring to the same topic, James chapter 4, verse 4, James says, you adulterous people, he's talking about spiritual adultery. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. He's not talking about friends with people in the world. He's not talking about friends with people that don't know Jesus. He's talking about that you hang out, that you love, that you are enamored with the culture and the values of this world. And they become your values and they become your culture. If you love that system of the world, then you cannot love God. You will love the world and stop loving God, is what James says. It also tells us in James 1.27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after wid widows and orphans in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So you say, okay, pastor, well, what is it really that is in the world? Help me understand what is it that I should not be loving in the world? Well, I think verse 16 defines what's in the world. So it leads me to my second point. When you don't distinguish the godly desires from the worldly desires, you will become deceived. Verse 16 describes what's in the world. He says, for everything in the world, there are three things, three main categories of things that are in the world. These all have to do with desires or drives. The cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes and the boasting of what he has or does comes not from God, from the Father, but from the world. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Three things compose the drives of the world. 
When you don't want to know what's driving people out in the world, what is it? What's that motivate them? You'll find out that the lust of the flesh, the lust of the flesh has to do with anything that satisfies your flesh, your fallen man cravings. It has to do with sex drive. It has to do with pleasure drive. It has to do with feeling good drive, getting high drive. It has to do with, with anything that, that you overindulge in. And then the third thing that the world system offers is the pride of life. It's all about me-centered instead of God-centered. So what John is saying is that the world is all about feeling good. If it feels good, do it. It's all about seeing and covetousness and offering things. And it's all about pride and what you've achieved and what you've done. All of that, if you get sucked into that, it's all of the world. And when you start getting sucked into that system and get sucked into that game, you start losing your love and your heart for God. Someone can be the party person. What they do is they just live to have fun. They're saying, I'm not hurting anybody. I don't go out and rob anybody. I'm not cheating anybody. I'm single. I'm 23, 24. I got a lot of energy. I just want to have fun. So every weekend, my main goal is I'm going to go out and have fun. And so my main goal is to forget about my problems. If I can get drunk, if I can get high, and if I can have sex, I, I chalk it up to great weekend. And so they go out, and that's their goal. I want to get high. I want to get drunk. I want to have sex. I want to have a good time. And that's my goal. I just want to party. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. What's wrong with that? There's a lot of other people that are doing a lot worse things. Nothing wrong with that. I'm young. I might as well take advantage of what I have. Listen, it may not seem too bad out there, but there's one problem. If you're a follower of Jesus wanting to live for God, then the Bible is really clear, really strong, really blatant about this. That that is absolutely 100% a worldly way of living your life. You live that way, you're going to find that you love God less and less and less and less. So we got the party in them. Maybe you say, well, I'm not that kind of person. I'm much more stable in my life. I'm, you know, I'm married. I have three children. Much more. St I went through that phase. I'm over that phase already. So you don't. But you're into the game of my neighbors have this. I should have that. I envy what they have. I gossip about what she has, what she doesn't have. Did you see how she came dressed? Did you see, hey, that was a nice person. I want that person too. I want that house. Hey, those people, they think they're all something. I'm going to show them who's something. And you're all into competition. You're all into the envy, the jealousy, the I'm going to up them one. I'm going to show them. Or you're into, I would never go out and do that party scene but you're into your own fantasy world, and so you live vicariously through movies or steamy romance model no uh, novels, and, and, and you're living vicariously that world through your imagination, 
because you're wanting to be safe, but you're living out that world that's all up here. It's the, it's the lust of the eyes. You may not be indulging in the flesh, but you're indulging in your mind. Or you may be the person that says, you know what, I'm an up front, good, healthy citizen. Look at what I achieved. I've started my own business or I've climbed the ladder of success. I've bought this house and that car. I've gotten this degree. I've achieved this promotion. I've been able to accumulate unto myself these things and look at how well I'm doing. People consider me a model citizen in society and you keep patting yourself on the back and stroking yourself for your achievements. And to you, it's all about your name. It's all about appearance. It's all about what people think. It's all about climbing the social ladder. And you may look at yourself and think of yourself as a very good citizen contributing to society. And yet, God says you're as much stuck in the world system as the guy that's partying every weekend out there. It's the world system. And by the way, it's been around since the beginning. You know that when Eve fell, Satan used the same old tactics that he uses on you. You say, well, I haven't been tempted to eat any apples lately. No, 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 I'm not talking about <laughs> apples. I'm talking about the temptation tactic. Uh, you remember what happened with Eve? Sure you do. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says, And when she saw that the fruit was good for food, what's that? Lust of the flesh. Something that's going to satisfy me. I know I'm not supposed to have it. God said don't have it. But I look at it and I think, whoa, this is good. This is going to feel good if I eat it. That's the lust of the flesh. And she saw that it was pleasant to the eyes. Man, that fruit looks good. I've never seen such a plum, juicy fruit like that. Boy, they don't sell this at Pete's Market. Not like this one. <laughs> lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. And then the last one is, Satan said to her, If you eat of this fruit, you will be like God. Pride of life. I want to be like God. I don't want to worship God. I want to be a God. Lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes, pride of life. It worked with Eve. She fell. Do you remember the same tactic was used on Jesus? Jesus was baptized and he went 40 days to the wilderness. You remember that story? 40 days up into the wilderness. He'd been fasting for 40 days. Some of you here have fasted for long periods of time. I've been on a couple 40-day fasts. I tell you, at the end of a fast 40-day, you're hungry. Really hungry. One lady told me she woke up and she was chewing on her pillow. <laughs> I mean, you, you could eat anything. So Satan came to Jesus, and the first temptation he gives Jesus is he says, Satan came to him and said, hey, turn this stone into bread. Now, he knew he was supposed to finish a fast. There's nothing wrong with eating bread, but when you're in the middle of a fast that you're trying to complete, Jesus knew he shouldn't eat. But Satan was tempting the lust of his flesh. Here's something that you could do that your body wants, but you shouldn't do it. That's the lust of the flesh. The second temptation that Satan gives Jesus is he, he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, all this could be yours 
the lust of the eyes, all this could be yours if you would simply bow and worship me. You don't have to go to the cross. I'll give it to you. All you have to do is proclaim, bow down and worship me, the lust of the eyes. And then the last temptation that Satan gave Jesus is, hey, throw yourself down from the top of the temple if you're really the son of God and see if God will catch you. He's appealing to pride. If you're really who you say you are, if you're really the son of God, if God really loves you, jump. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Listen, Satan's been using these techniques for years, thousands of years. He's perfected this technique. He uses this technique over and over. I think if you were to examine your life right now, you would realize that you have been tempted in the area of the lust of the flesh, You've been tempted in the area of the lust of the eyes, and you've been tempted in the area of the pride of life. Now, you may be really good at resisting one of these areas, but really weak to one of the other areas. And so I'm warning you, whether you're a new believer, whether you're someone that's walked with God for a long time, or whether you're a young leader, John tells us we're all susceptible to these kind of attacks. So you need to guard your heart or you will become a casualty as well James 1 says when tempted no one should say God is tempting me have you ever said that I've heard people say it all the time I think God was tempting me God doesn't tempt you God may test you but he doesn't tempt you God never uses evil to try to tempt you. God is not trying to lure you to fall. That's not how God works. God may test your faith, but God will never tempt you to do evil. God may test your obedience, but he never tempts you and lures you towards evil. You say, well, th then it's the devil. The devil made me do it. The devil's all about get me. Let me tell you, I believe the devil's a tempter. I believe there's a spiritual world out there. I believe we're in a spiritual battle. I believe there's schemes that the devil uses or spirits use to try to knock you out of place. But I'm going to tell you who the worst enemy is. Don't look to your wife and say, yeah, it's, no, 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 no. I'm not, it's not your wife. And it's definitely not your mother-in-law either. Your worst enemy is yourself. Pastor Mark Job is teaching us today here on Moody Presents. We're going to get to more of the power of God's love in just a moment. But first, did you know that Bold Steps is Pastor Mark's daily program? Have you heard of it? Have you listened to it? Why not go to moodypresents.org to find out more about Bold Steps? and about helpful resources to help you experience God's love. It's all at moodypresents.org. Just choose resources right there at the top of the page at moodypresents.org. This month, we can help you take your next step with Jesus by providing audio, blogs, books, and even video resources. Again, click on resources at moodypresents.org. Now back to our program. Here's Pastor Mark. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desires. It doesn't say by the devil, by the world. It says when his own evil desires. 
What desires? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life that all of us have inside. The world just brings it out. We connect with it, but those desires are inside of us. When by those desires, we are dragged away. What are we dragged away from? We're dragged away from the center of God's will. Our evil desires are dragging us away from the center of God's will. Once we're dragged away, then after desire has conceived, that desire starts to grow in us, it gives birth to sin. And listen, and sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. I want you to hear me well. This is really, really important. Every time you give in to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, you are sowing seeds of death and not of life inside of your spirit. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, there was no expiration date to their life. They were intended to live forever in the presence of God. It was only when we fell into sin that death entered into the world. And listen to me. Death is merciful. It's a good thing that we die. Because until, while we're living in this world and in this body... We are living with the seed of mortality and the seed of sin in our life. Until we die, we will never become the people that God intended us to be. The Bible says that when we die, as believers, we will be given glorified bodies and we will be given a new glorified body in the image of Jesus where we will never sin again and we will walk in the presence of God like never before. For believers, death is a victory. If you really understood our life, you would look forward to glory. If you really live like you, God wants us to live. You see, we become so enamored with this world that we have trouble letting go of this world. But when we really have faith the way God wants, if we really had God's perspective, we'd be saying, God, I want to finish my work on this earth. But man, I can't wait to glory. That's why believers in China can be sent to prison and still keep their joy. Because it's not all about, hey, can I be fulfilled on earth? It's about I'm living life and I'm willing to suffer because I know that glory awaits me. Some of us at the first hint of a little persecution, I don't know what's happening. I think I'm going to stop going to church. Some friends called me a holy roller. Seriously? The Bible says if you get persecution, don't look as something strange is happening to you. If they persecuted Jesus, who was the Son of God, who was perfect in all His ways, don't expect that you're not going to get a little persecution. And if you have to pay a price, and if you lose popularity, and if you lose a boyfriend that says, choose between God or me, and you choose God and have to go through a broken heart for a little bit, or if you have to suffer some persecution for people coming against you, if we had God's perspective, we would embrace persecution and we would say, thank you that I am counted worthy to suffering a little bit for Jesus since you suffered so much for me. And that's my final point. That's exactly what he tells us here. 
In verse 17, when you choose the will of God over the desire of the world, you will live forever. Verse 17, the world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Oh, how I wish that some of us could have an experience in which you get a glimpse of glory. If you got a glimpse of glory, you would never live the same. If you were able to see from a mega perspective your life in the bigger picture, you would realize that your life, the 70 years or 80 years or 60 years or 50 years that you live on this earth are but a dot on the line of eternity. It's like nothing. Do you remember your year in kindergarten? Now, when you were in kindergarten, recess seemed forever. Summer seemed like, wow, half your life. Now you look back and you realize, although it seemed long back then, and who your friend was and what toy he gave you seemed like a mega issue in your life. Now you look back and say, well, that was nothing. It was only nine months in kindergarten. The things that I Okay, some of you, maybe it was two years. I know some of you did the extended program. Not most of you, though. It was only nine months. The things I, I thought were important were so petty. Now you're looking at back, and now you're 35 or 40, and you're thinking, wow, kindergarten was small. Let me tell you, that's nothing compared to the way you're going to look at your life in glory from the eternal perspective. You're going to look at the years that you lived and say they were short. The things I thought were so important, they were nothing really. I wish I would have lived for more important things. I wish I would have understood how petty it was down there and how long eternity is and how this is just the door, the gateway into eternity. I wish I would have lived for things that mattered in life. Instead, I wasted 60, 50, 70 years on petty things living for myself when I should have been living for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. As we close today's service together, I hope you're staying strong in your faith. But if while I've been speaking, you, you've been thinking about your life and you've been saying, Pastor, boy, I feel like I've been slipping and sliding down the slope of worldliness. feel like I loved God a lot more before and loved the world less, but I've been loving the world more and God less. And I hope today's message maybe was like the little grooves in the side of the expressway when you're starting to fall asleep and driving and you start to swerve off and then you hear the drr, drr, drr of the grooves and you wake up and like, wow, that was close. That ever happened to anybody here? I hope this message is like the grooves in the side of the highway that are waking you up and say, wow, I was starting to swerve off and I realize, wake up. You can't play around. This could be a major accident. And I hope this message today, the Holy Spirit is using it to wake you up and to say, hey, wake up. Get back on track. Repent of the things that in the world are starting to drag you in and lure you in. 
Come back to your first love for God. Start to live for the things that really matter in life. It's all about what we boast in, what we're proud about, our image. It's the vainglorious boasting about what we have, who we are, or what we've done. Life is short. He that does the will of God lives for eternity, so let's live for eternity. It's the call of every believer. Life is short. Live for eternity and the things that will last. Well, next week, Pastor Mark will share a message with us called Anointed to Stand Firm, based in 1 John 2, verses 18 through 27. You say, what does all that mean? Well, Pastor Mark says that we need to watch for three important steps that prepare us for a time of testing. There are a lot of people who, when they hear the Word of God, say they know they need God, but they don't realize there's a cost and there's a battle in living for God. It's not easy, right? Well, we're going to look closely at this passage in 1 John for tools that will help us keep from falling away from the faith. In the meantime, make sure you visit moodypresents.org where you can hear this program again, sign up for a podcast, or to become a Moody Presents partner. It's easy and quick. Hey, if you're already a monthly partner, can we say thank you? That is just huge. Your gifts, your monthly gifts, help us keep this Bible teaching going strong. So thank you, thank you. And if you'd like to sign up to become a monthly partner, you can do that quickly, easily, securely at moodypresents.org. That's moodypresents.org. Man, I am just enjoying this teaching series, and there's more to come next week. John Geiger here suggesting you don't miss it. That's Moody Presents, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.